One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome again to the Blizzard Watch podcast for another late night edition, late night BlizzCon edition, I guess. You guys, it's all over. And by you guys, I mean myself. I'm Ann Stickney, obviously. Um, I'm hosting again tonight and I've got everybody here tonight that was here last night. So uh, just going around the room here, we've got Deb. Hey, Deb. Hi, Ann. Hi, Hi, everybody. And then we've got Joe, of course. Well, Hello. And we've got Ted with us. Hello, everybody. And we've, last but definitely not least, we've got Rochelle. Hey, hey, Rochelle, how's it going? Good, hi. Okay. Uh, so, BlizzCon, I guess it's kind of, it's not quite over. They're still doing musical acts, I believe. But, like, that that's it. That's it. It's over now until next year. And I'm kind of sad about it. It's always kind of like, I don't know. It's like taking a deep breath when it's all over with, I guess, or, or letting out the breath that you've been holding when it's all over with. But today did have a heck of a lot of material going on with it, um, particularly in the World of Warcraft department and also in the Diablo 4 department. And I'm not, do, do you, does one of you guys want to give us a, the lowdown on what's up with Diablo 4 today? Because I heard stuff about hard modes. I heard stuff about playability and and choosing how you play that kind of thing anybody want to hop in and talk about that give us the rundown i don't know all of the things because i'm playing a little bit of a catch-up but there are a couple things that i caught that really caught my attention first of all runes um Uh runes are back uh and if anybody played diablo 2 back in the day you understand how massive and just ridiculous runes could be uh apparently they're back in a different form they're basically like gems but better they're instead of just giving you flat bonuses or increasing like a stat by itself it's actually going to affect like your skills and abilities very similar to how it was in diablo 2 just don't have to spell out rune words anymore right from what i've heard Diablo 4 seems like it's shaping up to be more and more like Diablo 2 than Diablo 3, which, I mean, I get it. I totally understand it. Diablo 2 was a great game. A lot of people really enjoyed playing it. And there were some, you know, initial complaints about Diablo 3 as far as how far 
of a difference there was between it and the game that came just before it. At the same time, though, I feel like Diablo 3 has gotten to the point where it has evolved into a very playable game and it bears very little resemblance to the game that it was when it came out, the one that people were kind of unhappy with. Um, And Rossi and I have both had this conversation a couple of different times. It's a fun, fun game. Mm -hmm. Like, way more fun now than it was at the onset. It's a very different game from when it was first released. When it was first released, I mean, I I think we can safely say that it was... It was fairly broken and not the fun ways that Diablo can be broken. Yeah. Um, it didn't work really well. And then over time, they fixed it. They pulled it back. They actually started like figuring out what they were doing and, and making it more and more playable. But again, it never really caught that same nostalgia that Diablo 2 did. Diablo 4 is taking the best things from both, it seems, and putting them in. Kind of squishing its, them together. Yeah, which is perfect. I did catch a glimpse of a raid boss. Like there's actual outdoor raid bosses or something like that. There are world bosses. World so, boss. Yeah. So very similar to like how we have world bosses in WoW. Uh, there are spread throughout the the zones. There are different bosses that you can either trigger, summon, or just find. And uh, they are brutal. Uh, as one of the devs said, I will punch you with my words. And yet she, looking at the video, she sure is. They, uh... It's, it, it feels like they're taking a lot of elements of World of Warcraft, like just little bits and pieces here and there. The good stuff. The good stuff that actually would transition over to Diablo effectively and, and kind of putting them in there here and there. Like with the world bosses and then with some of the other stuff that they're talking about, like with the hard modes and things like that. It Did they mention anything about like, you know, torment levels and that kind of torment rifts? Are they going to have seasons with it? Did they say anything about that? I'll let somebody else uh, say anything about that, but I didn't see any. You didn't see I, anything I did about see it. they were going to have seasons. They are <clears> going <throat> to do seasons. Okay. And then I'm not sure about torment levels, but they were talking about implementing a mythic plus kind of key uh, system into Diablo. See, here we go again with like the, you know, picking the little bits from Warcraft and stuffing them into Diablo where it's appropriate. I can't say that I'm mad about it. Well, no, it's a good thing. If, if yeah. something works, use it. Yeah. I, and when something doesn't work, cough, cough, real money auction house, you take it out. <laughs> and and that works so really well, gold. too. I spent so much gold and actually real money on a chicken bow. Ugh, oh. I feel dirty. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think I ever went near the auction house, honestly. I think I put a couple of things on it, but I never actually bought anything off of it. Because why? Stuff drops like rain anyway. It's no big deal. Uh, I was also not really a hardcore player, so that probably had a lot to do with it. Uh, Deb, Rochelle, you guys got anything to say about Diablo 4? I totally missed it. I didn't watch it either. There were other things for me to do. Yeah. I think a a lot of the problem here is that some of these panels took place at the same... Yeah, they took place at the same time as other panels that we were assigned to, so we didn't necessarily get the full picture of everything that was going on. But I do know that um, there were a couple of World of Warcraft panels that were really big and had a lot of, and I mean a lot, of information in them. First up, we had uh, the World of Warcraft, the Shadowlands deep dive that very quickly went over a heck of a lot of information as far as what's going to go on in the Shadowlands and how things are going to work when we get there. Um, I think one of the biggest things that they covered was just the whole covenant system and how covenants are going to work. Rochelle, I believe you were the one that kind of wrote the overview for that, yeah? You want to give us the overview, the, the, the down low on how covenants work? 
Yeah, basically covenants are kind of like they're kind of like factions, but they're also kind of like our class halls. Um, they provide a base for us to work with and they have their own storylines. And then it also kind of includes garrisons a little bit because like you hang out there with the other people who have chosen that covenant, but you also get those kind of garrison abilities. And, you know, they went over the abilities today. And they have like a lot of utility abilities for the covenant in general. So you choose your covenant and you get this utility ability. And then you also get class specific abilities, kind of like artifact weapons. So, But it's class specific and not spec specific, correct? Yes, class okay. specific. Okay. So what it's reminding me of is that, you know, we've said time and time again about how it felt like Battle for Azeroth took the worst parts of Legion and got rid of all the parts we liked, well, Covenants kind of feels like they're taking all those parts from other expansions that we liked and combining them. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool to me. One of the things that I found really interesting was the idea of soul binding. This is a new system that's being impl implemented. It sounds kind of like an artifact weapon in that the whoever you choose to soul bind with, they do have like a talent tree of little bonus goodies that you can pick that will work for you and it doesn't matter where you are that bonus is always with you um, it almost feels like the order hall upgrade uh, it's something it, like a combination of that or yeah. like what if artifact but person <laughs> well, it kind of made me wonder like which bioware dev did they hire because it feels a lot like the companion system a little of, bit you know, yeah. effect or dragon they're, they're, because it's not just about um finding somebody and choosing to soul bind with them so that you know you get the bonus to whatever power you want and and get to pick and choose what what those bonuses are but it's also you're kind of um building a relationship with whoever this person is and as you build that relationship the power that you get grows in tandem with it and along the same lines you're also learning about this person's backstory and their history and what they're up to and there's a lot of lore involved with it so it sounds like like i said it sounds like what if artifact but person but in a apparently better way a, apparently there's a mechanic and i don't know if they said anything specifically about this but you can swat your soul binds yeah as strategy dictates yeah as easily as switching talents which makes me think that the work you put in for one soul bind might be potentially universal if that I makes sense i don't know i really don't know but the thing is is they seem to be trying to make things a little bit easier across the board as far as like gameplay goes. Obviously we're going to be dealing with a level squish here um, and I know it was something that we've been talking about on and off for a while and kind of speculating as to whether or not they were going to do it. They are going to do it. Everybody that's level 120 right now, when you log in for Shadowlands, you're going to be level 50 and you'll be leveling to level 60. How do you guys feel about that? Are you? How do you feel about that, Deb? Well, having lived through one level squish, which was a little confusing, watching all of the information that came out today on the level squish um, for my maximum level characters. Okay, fine. I'm level 50. Who cares? It's my 108, my 75, my level 80, my level 20. Four, something like that. That's where I'm really confused about how this is going to work for the lower levels. I, the maximum levels, eh, whatever. But it's 
if I'm level 75 now, what am I going to be when Shadowlands it's comes appar- out? It's apparently like a scalable sort of thing. So you will be scaled to a level that is equivalent percentage-wise to where you would be if you were, you know, 108 and, and, and max level was 120. You're going to be, max level is going to be 50, and then your character is going to be whatever level is, you know, the same appropriate distance away. Um, which I think is pretty cool. I like I like the fact that they're going to be scaling it like that. I just think it's going to be weird to log in one day and... I mean, I'm okay with the item level squish that they did. You know, they keep doing that every now and again. It's like, oh, all my skills and stuff. Suddenly, suddenly the numbers are a lot smaller. They're not in the millions. They're in the thousands. But you're still hitting just as hard, you know? With this, it's a little different because your experience bar and that little number that's under your character portrait is going to change drastically. Um, Rochelle, what do you think about that? It feels weird to me. Like... Okay, so I started playing at the end of BC, and the levels okay. just even though, like even though the item levels don't really line up anymore, the levels give me a sense of oh yeah, that's where I was back then, and so I never really had a problem with filler levels or you know going up high. I just I felt it as a mark of individual progression. So I don't really see it as a bad thing, but I understand kind of why they want to do it. Yeah, and I think the whole point behind it is they want to make sure that everybody has that sense of progression and that when you hit a level, it feels meaningful. When you start getting up into the hundreds, like the when the levels are up in the hundreds or whatever, it, it starts to lose its meaning and it starts to lose its impact. So I think that's probably part of the reasoning behind that. Ted, what do you think? How How do you feel about logging in and seeing a 50 where a 120 once used to be i mean i've been playing so much classic lately that i, I don't think it's going to bother me that much and and classics really reminded me it feels really good when it's impactful like i know it's not a ton of stuff every time you level on classic but it feels really really good and and i'm willing to sacrifice a big number to get that back in retail what about you joe so i'm weird in that i don't care what the number for the level is because and and i and i think we've we've talked about this a little bit before i'm about the experience and just doing the questing and the story the levels are secondary to me uh, i'll get to the end when i get to the end because even when i get to the end i'm still doing quests i'm still doing whatever i i want to do because that's the way i look at it um so overall it, it doesn't really affect me in that mental space but from a logistic standpoint, I actually really love it, not just because of the squish, but because of how they're changing leveling with it uh, and how they're they're sort of putting those choices in and, and making those experiences experiences, right? Like it's not just about this mad rush to max level anymore. It's about leveling, choosing where you're going to level and then making those levels mean something to you as you progress. And I think overall, it's just fantastic. I think the part that I'm kind of like, blown away by and I really appreciate is that they're going to basically rig it so that you can choose what expansion you want to level in and you can level from level 10 to level 50 in that expansion over the course of that expansion and this kind of solves a problem that that's been sort of a bane of the existence since I don't know, since they started, you know, adjusting and tweaking how fast it took to level and how fast, you know, once they started messing with experience gain and and percentages along with the item squish and everything else, I know uh, when we did the WoW leveling stream, um, we 
we continually ran into a problem where we would be in a zone and we would do like, you know, maybe two dozen quests or something like that. And then we'd out level the zone and we'd have to move yep. on before we even saw the end of whatever story was in that. zone. so it made that feel, story feel really disjointed. Like you never really got a proper idea of what that story was. And even with the changes that they've made now, the same thing kind of applies because you could, you know, stay in burning crusade for like, you know, part of the levels or things like that. You could skip Cataclysm entirely. Um, you always have to play through Warlords right now, which I wish that they would kind of make it on par with Bandaria or something. I don't know. But you know what? You you don't have to worry about it at this point because you just pick... A, if you want to level in Pandaria, you can go from level 10 to level 50 by playing through Pandaria and experiencing that story. And you won't I, have to jump around to, okay, now I need to go up to Northrend. Now I need to go to this place. Now I need to go to this place. It's just, you can just do one expansion. And that's a big thing. And I, yeah. and I think a lot of people, people, I'm not saying that, you know, our listeners and, and readers don't think like this, but I got a lot of interesting comments from people that I know in real life that play that heard that and were actually upset about that a little bit, but they don't, it's one of those things where, for the last several years, playing alts has been painful in this game. Everything that they're doing now is making it more friendly, more accessible to level alts again. The level squish is one thing because leveling from 1 to 120 is daunting when you're first looking at it. Leveling from 1 to 60, it's not so bad. Yeah. Picking one uh, content to go through with an alt uh, or a new character that's leveling up, that's not as bad as figuring out where you have to go and bounce around, just like you're saying. And when I was mentioning this with my partner and sort of giving them the rundown of, of everything that's happening with leveling, their eyes lit up and they're like, I can play alts again. I can actually go and play all my alts. This is the best news ever. I'm very excited for this. And just that sheer joy uh, that all these changes are bringing to, to, to people that I know that just absolutely adore leveling alts and like me miss some of that old content that you can outpace way too quickly. This is all great news. Yeah, I'm kind of excited by the idea. Um, what about the rest of you guys? Anybody else want to chime in on the idea of like spending all of your leveling in just one expansion? I'm one of those people who when I level, I go everywhere. And I, I'm pretty sure I remember hearing them say that if you are that kind of person, you can still do that. Just bounce around from expansion to expansion and I've started playing classic so I have seen all of them and there are some things that I enjoy doing repeatedly and taking alts through certain quest lines in certain expansions is something that I enjoy doing and having that ability to still do that makes this kind of leveling even more attractive to someone like me. I, I really, I really like it. I've head cannoned um, my last couple of alts that I love the chromy aspect of it, is what I'm saying, because I've kind of head cannoned that for my last couple of alts. They're sitting by a fire being told these stories because that's one that would make it sense. And so I love the time walking kind of chromy aspect of it. I like the fact that we're getting chromy back again, but that stuff I think that's going to have to wait for more watch. <laughs> oh yeah, Joe knows what I'm talking about. Um, we have a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show, and we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff on tomorrow. You're going to want to listen to that one, folks. Anyway, uh, moving on. 
One of the other things that they brought up and talked about in the Warcraft Deep Dive that uh, I also found really, really fascinating was the idea of having, once again, we've got a max level zone. And it's specifically for max level. And that's the Maw. And within the Maw is this tower called Tor... Is it Torgast? Torgast. Torgast. Um, Tower of the Dam. Yeah. And um, that whole zone, we got a little bit more of like the story the story behind it there's a there's an entity in there called the jailer and the jailer watches over the entire zone and if you're out there in the zone obviously things want to kill you the environment wants to kill you everything wants to kill you and the cool part is like i i I don't know if we've ever had a zone quite like this before where it was just like utter sheer abject panic when you're in there if you die while you're in the maw the jailer notices. He notices and he's not happy. He's not happy that you're there. So gradually over time, the more you die, the more the jailer will send things along to mess you up. So like at first, you know, you'll find like your aggro range increases. Like you start pulling more things inadvertently just because your aggro range has grown a little bit bigger. And it goes all the way up to like the jailer sending hit mobs after you (laughs) and i just i love this i love this idea of having a max level zone that is really kind of a combative place where you have to be smart and you have to choose your battles and you really really want to make sure that you don't die and i think it's important too that it's not just dying that triggers it it's everything you do so like all of the quests you pick up, the things that you decide to kill, those elites you go after, those rares you might find. Yeah, he's not happy about any of it. it. Yeah. And it, it's really cool. And like you said, that abject terror, I've been wondering what they were going to do with when we die in the world. And they flat out told us. And I think it's the coolest thing. I think it's pretty cool. The other thing that I find pretty cool is the idea of Torghast itself, because Torghast is basically a never ending dungeon almost and you can tackle it solo or you can tackle it with a group of people every time you go in it's going to be a little bit different um best line yeah no best line i don't think you heard it because i think it came in the q a because somebody asked a question about how exactly torgast was going to work and ian and they asked about whether you can beat it and ian said if you beat it you're probably cheating which is really an interesting concept that it's something that as we we go through this particular expansion it's always going to be a step or two harder yeah and i think that i like that idea because i've always personally been a fan of gimmicky sort of things like that where like in legion where you you had the mage tower and you had the challenges that you got from there um, and they they were really hard, like they were actual challenges. You had to really work your way through it. And then there was also um, even going all the way back to Miss Pandaria with the treasure room. When you went into the treasure room scenario, and you had to race your way through there, but you also had to make sure that you know you didn't trigger any traps or that kind of thing, or maybe you did want to trigger a trap here and there, you know that kind of thing. Um, you wanted to make sure that you open boxes, but to open the right kind of boxes. Sometimes you would get ambushed by things. And it was just like this really fun kind of 
out of the game sort of experience. This one, it's not out of the game necessarily, but at the same time, it feels like a challenge on that kind of a level. And it's the part that's really appealing to me is the fact that you can tackle it solo if you want to, or you can tackle it with a group. You're not limited by, oh no, I have to find five other people, or I have to find four other people, and I need a healer, and I need a, you know, I need this, that, the other. No, you don't. You can go in there, and you can tackle it all by yourself if you want to. Um, How do you guys feel about that, about that kind of solo sort of content? Ted, what about you? I I, I really like it. Um, I'm in a smaller guild, so being able to go with two or three, or how many ever we've got on, I mean, I can't tell you how many nights, like, you know, begging for a fifth to run a mythic. So the flexible content, even down down to one, is is fantastic. I also love the seasonal events they talked about, where you're like, no, this month it's going to be nothing but beasts. Yeah, I kind of like that whole idea of having like themes with with it. It's sort of like it's sort of like having the mythic plus affixes or whatever, but on a different level. You know what I mean? Um, Rochelle, what do you think about it? How do you feel? Do you usually do stuff in like big groups or do you go in solo stuff? Um, it depends. Like my guild has kind of scaled back and we just kind of play casually now and just do heroics and do, you know, a weekly plus. And so it's nice because sometimes I feel like doing stuff by myself. Sometimes I feel like doing stuff with the guild. Sometimes we have a lot of people on and maybe not enough for two mythic groups, maybe just under. So it's just like, I don't know. It just gives, gives everyone a bunch of options. And even though they say, Oh, it's, you know, it's a multiplayer game. You need to do stuff with people. Well, sometimes people just want to do stuff on their own. And it's nice to have a progression system that you can do that. Sometimes I just like when it's quiet. Really, yeah. that's all it is. Sometimes I just like the quiet, and and I like doing stuff on my own and solving my own puzzles. Okay, so we got a lot of information in in the deep dive, but it wasn't. It was a very very fast paced kind of delivery of information, and there's so much more to learn about Shadowlands before it comes out. And obviously, you know, it's not going to come out anytime soon. It's not like it's dropping next week or anything like that. But the other big panel that we had today was the World of Warcraft Q and A. I actually missed this because I was away doing other things at this point in time. So I'm going to hand this over to Joe because Joe, I, I think you're pretty familiar with what went on there. You want to hit the highlights for us? I absolutely would love to. Uh, first, I want to say shout out to Redshirt Guy being the first official question asker of the uh, the Q and A panel. Of course. Thumbs thumbs up, Redshirt. Uh, a couple things that they they mentioned that I thought were important. Uh, war mode is going to be coming back, uh, so it is still going to be around. Um, the big one for me uh, was flying. Uh, so that was a lot of questions around flying, like how it's going to work in uh, Shadowlands and uh-huh. how it's going to work with the leveling. Uh, and to mixed reception, we found that it's going to be pretty much the same as it's been for the last couple expansions. Um I think they're right, though. It's a compromise. It's a contentious issue, but I get it. I get where they're coming from. They want people to slow down a little bit. They want that that consumption of of content to be sort of at not at a breakneck pace. And from the other things we're hearing about this expansion of making sure you're not just sitting there farming infinite resources and things like that. I'm a little, I'm more okay with it here than I have been in the past. Um, yeah. And when asked about level squish flying, they have no idea yet. Uh, so I thought that was, <laughs> was interesting. They're still figuring that thing out, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that's what they said. Okay. Uh, 
The other thing that I thought was important for a lot of people, because this is something people have been asking for, uh, legendaries will be transmogable. Um, so they're going to look at opening up some of those rules on transmog so people can, all those legendaries that they went through all this hassle to get, they can actually go ahead and, uh, you know, wear it again, which I think is kind of cool. Did they, did they say anything about being able to transmog something besides daggers on on top of daggers because I have war glaives and I would love to wield those things. They have not yet said anything about that, but we can hope. Yeah. I'm going to cross my fingers on that one. Oh, one of the things that we should talk about is uh, when they were talking about the class stuff in the, in the other panel, they were talking about the deep dive class stuff and they were talking about things that they were going to be bringing back. Oh and yeah. Oh my heart. Eyes of the Beast is going to be making its return. I'm so excited, it's you guys. Hunter's Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, if I they mean, could I... just add Sentry Totem to the list, I'd be really happy. I was just going to say that they, they're giving me back Searing Totem, and I'm uh-huh. okay with that. But Sentry Totem, I made a shirt for that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I want, I want to see it come back. It was, I mean, it's theoretically, it's kind of useless at this point anyway. But I don't care. It, it was, it was nice. It was nice to have. I want it back again. Anyway, Ken, Ken, what are you salivating on? Auras, auras have been such an important part. I mean, you think about the Warcraft Three Paladin. One of his things was devotion. Or I mean, auras. That slide made me happier than it had any right to. And then consecration like that's that's our spell like back when i was trying to get paladin taking off the ground it was you know cc means continuous consecration so those two spells i was just yeah those consecration or as like i i like to call it the holy fart (laughs) because it's just a cloud of yellow (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah, now it's going to be available to all, you know, we're get, all three specs are getting. Oh, all three all specs are going to get it, huh? All three specs are getting consecration. So it's it's getting, they're trying to get back to that that class rather than spec, you know. They, and I thought they did a really good job of, of explaining, you know, it was artifacts that kind of led us down that path of the spec becoming a class. And now they're trying to walk that back. Yeah, because, I mean, the whole idea of the class fantasy and everything, they really did embrace that with Legion, but I almost feel like, they didn't walk back from it far enough when we went into battle for Azeroth and they were still had that kind of lingering stuff going on there that maybe didn't quite need to be there. And, and spec division was like a big deal. And I don't know if it needs to be as big of a deal as it is. So, yeah. Anyway, Joe, continue. What else did we see at the Q&A there? there there's more. Uh Try not to sneeze in the mic here. Uh, they just said that they're going to start looking at different ways to uh, increase realm connections for smaller realms because there are still a lot of servers out there that have low population. And even when they're connected to some of the other ones, it doesn't really do anything to help the economy or mythic rating. So they're looking at ways that they can actually bridge those gaps. Uh, maybe they might wind up doing something out of Final Fantasy XIV's book and have data center clusters just all be able to do everything together. Who knows? Uh, we can hope. That. Um, a lore thing that I thought was funny and important is somebody asked who won in the Stormguard and Darkshore Warfronts, and canonically, the Alliance has won both. So for you Alliance out Whoa. there, thumbs up. Uh, other things uh, we talked about, uh, there was a question about the Magar Orcs and seeing if we're going to see more stuff from alternate Draenor, such as the Lightbound, which is a loose thread that we've talked about before uh, that really hasn't come up again since we, we got the Magar Orcs. Uh, so they talked about 
bringing stuff like that back, that there might be a place for that with the new life and death stuff that they're going through, uh, which I thought is really important. Uh, we already talked about the what happens when we die in the Shadowlands. That was one of the other questions. Uh, but the two last ones that I thought were very important, uh, one was that with mechanonomes or mechanomes, sorry, uh, wearing armor, le- or armor leglessly, there was a question of whether or not we might see playable races with more or less than two legs. The answer was maybe, which doesn't seem exciting, but they did mention that they like experimenting, and this is new tech for mechanomes. And if anybody remembers things like phasing and battlegrounds, when they were first introduced to the game, when Blizzard gets new tech, they love playing with it. So we might wind up seeing races that have more than two legs or no legs. You never know. Ooh. And the last one. Sorry, go ahead. That could be kind of fascinating. There's there's a couple of races we could talk about that could make some very fun options. There. Looking at yeah. some uh, centaur-like races there, Tolvier. Um, the last thing was a question about tier sets. Now, this is a little bit weird because I think we were talking about this in work chat. I think they're throwing around tier sets in sort of like a developer way as opposed to a player base way. When we think of tier sets, we think of the traditional tier sets that have the set bonuses that are like one through 13 or I forgot how many we have at this point that have those sets. The ones that you pick up in raids. The the ones that you pick up in raids, but have specific class or spec bonuses to them. Yep. Now the other side of that coin is class themed armor. Technically they're still tier sets because they release in different tiers of raids. But one of the things that players have been complaining about is it feels really generic. Like my shaman looks like every hunter that's out there because we have the same darn armor. Every druid, every uh, rogue, every demon hunter, every monk looks exactly the same because it's the same for leather. They're just classes of armor instead of themed armors around the classes. Well, they're going to bring class themed armor back. So you're going to have that distinct shaman flair, that distinct warrior flair, that distinct death knight flair again it's just not going to be up front uh they're going to do it later on just when we first get it we might have a generic set for the first set of content with shadowlands release but they are looking at bringing that back which is fantastic and regarding the other things tier sets still aren't going to be a thing like they said they felt that players sort of got trapped into those pieces of gear when they had them and i agree there yeah. are many times where I would have a set bonus that I couldn't break because it was just too dang good. So they said did say that they're going to start or still continue with two or three piece sets like we've seen with the rings, rings and trinkets, uh, back pieces, things like that that we've seen in game today. So there are still set bonuses out there, but the tier sets are just going to go back to more class themed armor. And I'm OK with that. Yeah, I I would honestly kind of prefer it if we had more class theme stuff because some of those old sets are really iconic. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah they're gorgeous and they're also they're just really icon- iconic and they're kind of evo- evocative of that particular class whatever that class happens to be. And they're right right now. The tier sets are just I mean, it's silly when a new raid comes out or a new dungeon comes out and the first thing I do is I look at the stuff to transmog and I go, "Okay, well I guess I'm not using any of that." Yep. I don't think I've, I don't think I've been transmogged into a current set of gear for two whole expansions at this point. Yep, pretty much. I don't know. What about the rest of you guys? Do you like the sets as they are right now or Nope. Rochelle, you want to clarify? 
I so my guild has talked about this and we seem to remember them saying that the reason they got rid of tier sets, at least from an art perspective, was that they you know, doing too many uh different themed sets for each class um just sort of got too cumbersome and so they wanted to spend more time, like from the arts perspective, making these raid sets really awesome and we have completely hated all the raid sets and yes they fit the raid theme but they are just ugly old Deer was just kind of some mechanical stuff and then you know desire lore was bones and dead stuff and you know eternal palace has had the first set of gear that i've actually liked but it still doesn't really wow me and the colors are just kind of off and I'm just, I just want sets themed to my class and not really generic stuff. Okay. Hey, Deb, you got anything to add to that? Um, I might slightly be addicted to transmog. Um, my, my guild does a I mean, monthly transmog contest. Well, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> so when I pick up something, it immediately it's, all right, is this good for transmog first? And then I look at the stats. And then it's, oh, well, gee, this is a good piece, but man, is it ugly. Now, I did like, and I can't tell you which group it was from the Alliance in uh, Battle for Azeroth. I did like their whole gear set, and I was wearing that for a little while until I got something else. Um, But I agree with Rochelle. The, The stuff that's out there is just... It's really not exciting. And when we, I look at transmogging, I'm always going back to mists and cataclysm and wrath, etc. The old stuff, because that stuff just looked really good. And say what you will about the BC clown suits, you can put together some really cool transmogs using some of those garish pieces that we picked up just leveling through BC. Yeah, I think that for me, I appreciate having things that are kind of piecemeal. When when you were leveling through, okay, I get why they did it, because when you were leveling through Burning Crusade, everybody looked a little bit ridiculous because nothing matched oh, until you got to until you got to max level and actually started getting like some tier sets or you know dungeon sets that kind of thing where I'd argue AQ40 was still clown suit AQ40 was still clown suit but I'm talking about Burning Crusade specifically Um, when we went to Wrath all of a sudden that leveling gear as as a result you know trying to avoid the whole clown suit thing the leveling gear that we got was it all was kind of matchy matchy so even if you had two pieces that were from two completely different sets or whatever, they still kind of looked like they went together. So it wasn't terrible. You know what I mean? Um, and that worked fine because we didn't have any alternatives, right? There was no alternative. But now we've got transmog and we could sort of pick and choose what we want. So I feel like if they wanted to throw us an expansion where the leveling gear was just a bunch of piecemeal bits and pieces that we could use to fill out our transmog, you know, gear and and mix and match with stuff that we already had, that's the kind of stuff I'd like to see while leveling. But again, I'm addicted to transmog too, so that's, you know, 
I'm probably not the best example of what people want or what the player base wants because I've given more money to that yak mount than I want to think about really <laughs> at this point. Joe, was there anything else like really cool, relevatory, uh, any like lore moments? That- there, yeah, there were two two other things that I, I thought were kind of important. One uh, was the legendary items. They talked about creating them as going to have more of a divine impact because it ties in with the tier set stuff. Uh, more of an impact on your spells and abilities uh, than anything else so that you could have a cool way of customizing through the legendaries that you pick up or make. Uh, which I thought was that was kind of important. Uh, but the other thing was we got mention of Tehran. Now, this wasn't specifically during the Q&A. It was a question that was asked later on, but I feel it fits here. Uh, and we were told that uh, Tehran is going to have a prominent piece or part in the story in Ardenvale. Uh, Ardenvale? Ardenweld? Ardenweld. Arden, thank you. Uh, and that, uh, you know, we're going to get more of her story. We're going to get more of what's happening there. And I also think that's interesting because we've been asking what's going to happen with this whole night warrior thing. And we might, that story, that story obviously is going to continue because Sylvanas is still out at large, but they're already thinking about what they're going to do with her. And I think Ardwell, Ardenwell is just a perfect place for her. Yeah, definitely. Um, to me, it kind of rings as more of like a druidy night elf kind of area anyway, just visually speaking. So I'm excited to see that because I've been wondering what she's been up to and what she's going to be doing, especially since Sylvanas is gone. And obviously what Sylvanas has just done, what she did in that in that opening cinematic, I mean, you can't miss the giant upside down city in the sky. It, it yeah. It's pretty out there. And yeah, we'll probably, you know, talk about that on lore watch more we'll go into more of that on in lore watch tomorrow but um was there anything else you wanted to add to that any other juicy tidbits or was uh, that kind of the, oh, go ahead Doug. i was gonna kick i was gonna kick it over to the rest i have uh because i um streamed it on my guild's facebook page um three things that i wanted to bring up um the question was asked any consideration of bc or wrath servers and uh the they asked people, I don't know if it was a show of hands or clapping, who would play solely BC, who would play solely Wrath. They got smatterings of applause for both surfers. But the their response was they have to be really careful on how they want to proceed. A lot of people, Classic is where it's at. They didn't realize Classic would be as big as it is. So they have considered going forward, but they have to do it in the quote unquote right way. And so I would like to ask everybody else, would you play on a solely BC or a solely rap server? I'm not sure. Um, I have a classic tune, but I don't play it very much. I think with the way that they're changing leveling now in the game, it's slightly less important to me to have those as options available, if that makes sense, because I can still spend time and experience the stories. And yeah, it won't be exactly the same, but it's a reasonable facsimile because again, I care more about the stories than anything else. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the only, I don't think I'd be interested in playing a wrath server so much. Um, Maybe a burning crusade server. Yeah. But only if they restored the story elements that they took out, like, 
they restored all of the cool stuff with, you know, mm-hmm. the interactions with Thrall and Garrosh and everything else that went on with that and the few storylines that kind of got pruned when they when they did the whole bump to everything. I, I would like to see those make a return. Same thing with Wrath, actually. I, I don't think I'd mind playing through Wrath, but I'd want to see the Battle for the Undercity scenario back in. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, that was kind of a really important part to the whole expansion, and now it's gone. It's just gone. Can't do it anymore. Kind of stinks. Um, I don't know. Ted, what do you think? I think for me, I, BC was such an important part of, of my WoW upbringing. really when I came to really play deeply. I mean, I, I, I hit I hit 60, you know, not too long before Burning Crusade was going to drop. But I spent most of Burning Crusade fighting the community on Paladin tanking, like trying to prove that Paladin tanking was something that was viable. And I just don't think however many years later now that I have the energy to do that again. So it would be a no for me. Okay. Rousseau, what about you? Um, I, so I started playing at the end of BC, so I don't really remember it too much. And Wrath is kind of where I feel like I grew up in, to say. And I would probably check it out, but I feel like most of my fondness for those old times has to do with my experiences and the people I was playing with and not necessarily the game itself. So I'd probably just be perfectly happy in retail. Okay. Deb, you said you had a couple of things. What else did you have? Um, they were asked if they would consider loosening restrictions on cross-faction play so that you could play with your friends on the other faction. Um, they said alliance and horde separation is what makes World of Warcraft. That is the division that makes this game what it is. So Ian said no. Ooh, that's interesting. Because we kind of felt like for a while there that maybe they were leading up towards that. And not... it, yeah. He went so far as to re, re, reiterate, double down on it being a pillar of the Okay. Rochelle, you were going to say something? Yeah, I'm not particularly happy with that. Mostly because... It's like the the faction divide, you know, yeah, it's been a cornerstone, but once upon a time, not being able to have the same faction play the same, like both factions on a PvP server was the cornerstone, and tier sets were once a cornerstone, so it's kind of Garrosh's times change thing, and, you know, I can see them wanting to keep, like, you know, that lore divide, it's like, this is a game where two factions are going against each other. But at the same time, there is a very severe issue with the population on Alliance side and most, you know, progression rating guilds have gone horde. And I feel like if they were to relent, you know, you don't have to do it as far as like a lore mechanic, but as far as gameplay, just let people play with their friends. I just, I feel like that cinematic where Jaina was talking to Thrall and, and Thrall was like, when is it, or something about, something about change, and, and Thrall was like, what changed? And Jaina said, we did. And that really struck me. That was the moment that it kind of struck me that maybe they were leading up to this kind of thing. So I'm really surprised by Ian's response to that. Cause it's I'm like, not? Because it's like, okay, so we got the characters in the game to recognize that maybe, you know, there has been a shift and maybe there is, like, a potential here. But you're telling the players, nah, that's never going to happen. I think the other side of it, and this is just a business perspective thing, and I'll just say it, it's because right now there's a cost associated with moving factions. 
And I think that plays into it too, because those are all commodities. So if you do that, it sort of devalues faction changing because you don't have to pay for it anymore. You can just go play with your horde friends of your alliance. You don't have to pay for it anymore. So I, I think that might be something that factors into it a little bit in the decision making process. And I think it might yeah. be a, a bigger decision than uh, than Ian or I am. Excuse me. See, I would I would push back a little bit on that idea because of the situation in my- we're about 50-50 on wanting to go Horde and wanting to go Alliance because of the races we want to play. System in place and immediately half my guild's going to race change to the undead or the troll that they've wanted to play for years, but because they're friends with us dwarves and stuff, they've kept their tunes on Alliance. There's a whole swath of population, if we're representative of other people, that is would pay for race changes if this was in place. Yeah. Sure, and I, and I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying I think I think that factors into it a little bit, maybe. It makes sense. Was there anything else, Deb? One final thing that ties into something Mitch wrote. Are we go- going to be glad we kept our eyeball helm? Ian's answer was, aren't the whispers of insanity their own reward? And that is all he would say. Oh, oh. That's weird. Please throw that to me, Lore. Here, here, you take that. (laughs) That's a little creepy. (laughs) I was wondering if they would like go away once we once we dealt with Nizoth. But the thing is, is like I guess that would be considered an eight point three spoiler if Ian actually like said anything about it. So I don't know. I guess I guess we'll find out. I think it'd be a pretty heavy spoiler because then we like if it's tied directly to Nazoth and we beat Nazoth, eh, that might tell us what happened. Yeah, it, it's you know, I don't know, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out what happens with it and if there is anything like significant that happens, especially after after all of all of everything that goes down in eight point three when we see that actually like you know come to its culmination and people start beating Nazoth and beating beating the raid involved with that and everything else. Okay, so was there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up? Rochelle, Ted, you guys have anything? Um, there, there was one thing that, that I wanted to, to it kind of ties back into the, the tier discussion we were having, but um, there's going to be cosmetic rewards from each of the Covenant. You're yeah. going to get a pet, you're going to get an armor, and you're also going to get, oh, there's a third thing. It's a mount. But there was, some, there was, a, there was a throwaway line about the armor set. In that they said there's going to be appearances you can unlock, and they reference the artifact skin system, which means there could be a balance of power kind of thing. There could be a mage tower kind of thing. There could be a PvP. There could be raid appearances. There could be mythic plus appearances. It opens up. I mean, if you reference the artifacts and how they could change their appearances, and you bring that into this uh, covenant armor set, that got me really excited. That's a lot of different possibilities for things to do. I'm kind of mm-hmm. excited about that. Okay. Rochelle, did you have anything you wanted to bring up? I'm just excited about the prospect of having wings. Yeah. I really like the, that. Uh, it's it's not necessarily... I guess technically it could be called a cloak, but it's not really because it's a set of wings. And yeah, I don't know which covenant I'm going to pick yet, but I do know that the Fey one looks really appealing to me just because... Visually speaking, I think it's really striking, but that's Same. me, you know. So they're they're calling those cloak enhancements, and they reference the backpack transmog that just came out, and Ooh. the Torin totems on the heritage armor. They, they said they're going to be like. 
Huh. Yeah, that caught my attention because uh, my uh, my moose man really wants totems. I'm just Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there um, because, yeah, we are. We're right about at the hour mark, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. I I personally, I, I will say that I thought that this was a heck of a BlizzCon. I wasn't sure how much we were going to get in terms of new stuff. And they kind of bombarded us with all sorts of stuff in the opening ceremony and then continued to follow through through the next two days. And I was really happy with the scope of the information that we got, you know, from all of the franchises, really. Um, What about you guys? Would you rate this, like, good, better than last year? Much better than last year. Okay. What about you, Deb? Definitely better than last year. I'm thinking back to I went to in 2015, and that's when they introduced um, the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And I remember giving—I don't remember who was who was doing the the presentation. I remember my section of the hall standing up and giving them a a standing ovation when they announced the wardrobe. Oh man, all this stuff that I've been carrying around is going to go someplace now and I can just accumulate. Um, and I think this was a step higher. There's so much stuff out there I haven't even processed yet. Yeah, I think that's where I'm sort of at with it all is there's just, I need to go back and I need to go back to the panels that I missed while I was covering other panels because there's there was a lot. There was so much there that I couldn't possibly watch everything, which is where the virtual ticket comes in super handy. Um, I hope that they keep that available for at least a little while longer, um, like another couple of weeks or so, so I can go through all of that content. Um, Joe, what did you think? Did you think this was, you know, on par, better, worse? I give it 4.75 Ralph Wiggums out of 5. Uh, the only thing that would have made it a perfect five out of five for me is if I was physically there to enjoy all of this. In person. Hey, yeah, uh, that's always kind of a bummer. <laughs> Maybe next but, year. But but that said, uh, this has been a very strong BlizzCon. It's been a very uh, good one as far as all of them have concerned, like the level of information we've gotten. Uh, but not just that. This is the first one that I've I've seen in a very long time where they actually are showing that they're listening to the player base and not just the vocal minority. They're actually going back, acknowledging mistakes, fixing them, looking for input. Like they're, they're doing something I haven't seen in a long while. And I'm very grateful for that. And that makes this a very good uh, BlizzCon for me. What about you, Ted? So 2017 is my top one, just because that was the year that I went and did things with my guild but this was very good um, from the amount of information that was given out. And, and every, I love that every franchise really had a moment in this one. There's always been like one that just kind of one or two, they kind of were just kind of on the sidelines, but really all big four franchises really hit at this time. Yeah. And I'd say I'm really happy about that. I'm also happy that we got like not one, but two different game announcements. And I, I wasn't expecting Overwatch 2. I really wasn't. But I'm glad that we got it, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with that in the future. Um, I want in that beta. Like, the second it goes live, I want in that beta. (laughs) As far as rankings go, I mean, let's face it. Last year was not great. Not great. Do you think that this year made up for last year? I'm just going to go around the table, yes or no. Deb, what about you? Yes, absolutely. Okay, Joe. (laughs) Emphatic yes. Okay, Ted. Without a doubt. Okay, Rochelle. 
Definitely. Okay. All right. I, I, I think we're all in agreement here. Anyway. All right. Well, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast, obviously. Blizzard Watch is made possible to do the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Um, I, again, I want to thank all of my co-hosts for being with me today. Um, and... I really I want to thank Blizzard because this has been one of those BlizzCons that I'm sure we're all going to remember as time goes on. Um, and I want to thank all of you guys for listening. And we will be back again next week on Friday at the usual time. And there will be a Rossi here too. Thanks, guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.